Welcome to the Self-Care Goddess Podcast, brought to you by me, Rita Savoya, founder of Savoya Self-Care Holistic Wellness. I'm a certified nutritionist and a holistic wellness coach for midlife women who want to rediscover their happier, sexier selves naturally without pills or side effects so that they can thrive as they age. I'm also the creator of the Savoya Self-Care Method, empowering women to nurture heart, mind, and body for transformative results. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to help millions of midlife women become their own health heroes. As a woman entrepreneur and a caregiver to aging parents, I fully understand the many responsibilities and generally stressful times women are living through these days, often suffering in silence, misunderstood, and putting themselves last. That's why each week I will be here for you, guiding you on your personal wellness journey, sharing expert advice from thought leaders on natural, practical, and simple solutions to help you thrive during the midlife transition. Get ready to listen to inspiring conversations about all things wellness, nutrition, mindset, mental health, fasting, hormones, menstrual cycle awareness and sinking, ancient healing strategies like meditation, mindfulness and breath work and spirituality. Every month I will also be featuring a small to medium sized business to help spread the word on the amazing work they're doing so we can support them. And now without further ado, let's get ready to rumble. Happy listening. Hello, my self-care goddesses. I welcome you to another episode of the Self-Care Goddess Podcast, but I also welcome the men that are listening to this podcast as well. It's expanded now, so we have a wider, um, a broader uh, set of listeners as well. So welcome, welcome, welcome. And as always, we're going to walk the talk here at Self-Care Goddess Podcast, and we're going to tune in with our own breath so that we can become a little bit more receptive to this amazing information that our guest is about to share with us. So I invite you especially if you're not driving to perhaps lower your gaze and maybe even close your eyes close sort of the outside world for just a couple of minutes here take some deep belly breaths in through the nose and perhaps sigh it out vocalize that sigh and just relax your entire body your shoulders your neck settle into the surface beneath you And I invite you to take these deep belly breaths in through the nose. And as you exhale, channel the energy to the area of the heart. And as you continue this heart-focused breathing, I invite you to check in and visualize someone that you're grateful for today. Visualize that person and perhaps send them this love and gratitude an appreciation for them being in your life and everything that they do. Let's collectively take a deep breath in through the nose and out. Come back to the room, come back to us. And it is with great pleasure and honor 
to welcome Kashif Khan with us today. And you're in for a real treat. This information is mind-blowing. He is an entrepreneur and investor who has built, run, and scaled businesses across a range of industries. He is the co-founder and chief executive officer of the DNA Company, an innovative provider of functional genomics solutions for personalized and preventative health and wellness. Kashif is also the co-founder and CEO of Utrients, a company providing personalized supplement formulations based on your unique DNA analysis. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing space with us today and for being here. I welcome you. It's awesome to be here. I didn't realize I was going to be getting therapy as part of this <laughs> session. It's like I've never entered a room like this. It's awesome. Oh, thank you. Yes, I like to walk the talk. So it brings us yeah. in a more receptive um, state of mind and just checking in. It feels really good. You know, we go, go, go. So it's a nice way to just check in. And I hope yeah, my listeners like, are taking it and doing it by themselves as well. So hopefully they should. And just so I can geek out a little bit on what you what just happened there. Yeah, sure. That, that deep breathing mm-hmm. uh, elevates a gene called BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor, mm-hmm. which does a few things it it balances your mood right and it, it allows you to feel sort of just happier um and it allows your neural connections to the synapses between them to sort of activate and so you can just think a little sharper and you can come up with ideas and you can develop new skills and so that deep breathing it also helps you sleep by the way mm-hmm. because it, it sets your circadian rhythm and your clock so uh the thing that you do that you know works, there's science behind why it works. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why I love what I do for sure. Yeah. Yes. But thank you for sharing BDNF. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So it is, I thought it was a neurotransmitter actually. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It, so okay. yeah. So the, the, but the gene, the gene is that activates or determines how well you do it is called the same thing as the neurotransmitter. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Oh, I can't wait to geek out even more. So yes, <laughs> let the geek out, geeking out begin. So tell us your story. I always want to know like why you're doing what you're doing. I know there is a personal story to what you're doing. Can you sure. uh, yeah. tell so me I, um, I didn't actually come from this space. So I, I got sick, just like everybody else. When you hear stories about people that kind of get into the functional side of medicine, it's because whatever they were doing failed them and they were forced to go down that route and find solutions. And I'm no different. So I actually ran a a marketing and PR company where we used to help companies grow. That's what I did. And when you said earlier that, you know, scaled a bunch of companies, yeah, I did it for myself, but I enjoyed more doing it for others, right? From small mom and pop shop all the way up to sort of Fortune 500 type companies, right? So I'm 42. When I was like 35, 36, I, I was pretty sick. I had eczema, psoriasis. And when I say eczema, like I couldn't open my left eye for days at a time. Like it was pretty intense. Uh, crazy migraines. My business partner used to have to drive me home and I'd have to pull over and vomit on the side of the road because the pain was so intense. I just, wow. that was the only thing my body could do to cope. Uh, then I'd go sleep and then I'd be depressed and I wouldn't get out of bed and go back to work. Right. And then there was digestive issues, acid reflux. I just, everything was coming all at the same time. And there was a pill for this. There was a doctor for this. There was a scan for this, all being treated as separate, separate siloed sort of problems that each needed their own solution when really it was my body screaming that dig deeper, there's something going on. So I went to see a friend who was in the functional medicine space who then helped me understand that this, this doesn't add up, right? All these things all happening all within months of each other. There's something else going on. need to dig a little deeper. So we looked at my genome 
And we started to see that there was literal pages of my genetic information that were missing, right? There was specific code that did certain things that I just didn't even have. And this speaks to why, while I was having a migraine and vomiting, my business partner was fine and driving me home in the exact same environment because the toxicity from the manufacturer that was in our basement of our building, pushing those chemicals up into the air. Mm -hmm. I was, I literally am missing the genes that help me send those to the liver to metabolize and get rid of them. Just like when you drink alcohol or any other toxin, you, your liver gets rid of it for you. I don't even have the gene, forget about what version or what SNP or what variant. So it would hit me super hard. And, you know, few years of being in that office day after day, after day, after day, imagine, you know, living in pollution, you can see it, you can smell it, you know, it's there. You wouldn't want to live there, but there's some silent threats that we don't know for us personally are a problem. And that's what happened to me. So um, in discovering my genome, I healed because I figured out what was actually going on and I changed my environment. I changed my nutrition. I changed my lifestyle. I changed things that were the root cause as opposed to how do I mask all these various symptoms. And then all the symptoms went away. I wasn't sick anymore. And I haven't been sick since that day. So that's what led me to what I do is great. I help companies grow, but there's 7 billion, 8 billion people on this planet that need this information. Like everybody needs this. So I literally handed the keys to my business partner and the team. I said, thank you. It's yours. Uh, I got to work on this. And I walked away and built it. That's what I did. Wow. Amazing. And thank you for doing that. That was such a beautiful company. And I'm so excited to be part of it as well. And I did the test myself. So yes, I'm excited to talk more yeah. about it. Um, but so so this, so people that are probably thinking, okay, DNA, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, okay, how is this different from the 23andMe? So you want to just sort of right. set that up. Yeah, yeah. And that's a great question because that, that. that's been kind of the standard. Mm -hmm. And that's where I started too. So my first genetic results that I went through were underwhelming. They didn't really teach me anything, right? It's like you got an 80% chance of Alzheimer's. What, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. right? So... The challenge is that our healthcare model, which you know very well, is a reactive model because the way we deal with acute care, meaning you break your arm or something goes wrong at terminal, we do a really good job of fixing those things. Yes. But we use those same tools to fix chronic disease, which is not how chronic disease works. The symptom or the problem is the very last stage of something that took seven or 10 years to get to because you were making choices that were mismatched to your capacity, right? Mm -hmm. So in that, you know, it's like, how do you go from this bag of tricks that was designed for reaction to figuring out the true root cause? The 23 me of the 23 me's of the world are now still doing what those guys do because they're trying to fit into this healthcare system as opposed to trying to change and build a new system. So their reports and their research is all designed around how do I support Alzheimer's and how do I support breast cancer in the way that the doctors do it, which is to react to the disease. Mm -hmm. So all you're going to be told is you have an 80% chance of breast cancer, go get a mastectomy and cut yourself, cut a piece of yourself off versus asking the question, which is the most important question. Why does the disease happen? Right? So if I'm telling you you have an 80% chance of breast cancer, I'm also telling you, you have a 20% chance of not getting breast cancer. The difference between sick care and healthcare in, in what, again, all these genetic companies and the healthcare industry does is they study the 80% to figure out how to treat the disease. Mm -hmm. What we should do is study the 20% to find out why they didn't get the disease. 
That's right. right. What are their environment, nutrition, lifestyles? Yes, they have the same genetic code. These these 100% of people have the same code. 80% of them got sick. 20% of them didn't with that code. Because you don't, you're not born sick. You're not born with breast cancer or Alzheimer's or diabetes. You get these things in and around the age of 50 or later. Because it takes that many years of making the wrong choices mm-hmm. to trigger that level of inflammatory load to make you that sick. Mm-hmm. So what did the 20% do that they didn't get sick? That's really the question we should ask. And that's the research we did. So we spent three years researching 7,000 people. It's the largest study of its kind in the world. So as opposed to taking genetic data and saying, here's how we deal with breast cancer, we said, no, let's actually go meet breast cancer patients. And let's go meet women with the same genetic profile that didn't get breast cancer and trying try to determine what were they doing differently. Mm-hmm. Right. So to put this all into context, since I mentioned breast cancer a few times, I can give you that as an example. Sure which will really help people understand. So most women have heard of the BRCA gene at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. And it's a scary four letter word. And if you ask a woman, do you want the BRCA gene? She will say, no, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. But if you ask her, what does it mean? She'll say, I don't know what what it is. I don't know what it does, but I know I don't want it. And I, I would argue that you ask most clinicians what it means and they don't know. They just know that they're told that it's a bad news gene. Mm. So BRCA is a tumor suppressor gene, meaning that if you get a tumor or cancer, it's supposed to go to work repairing and getting rid of it. It also repairs DNA. It also repairs cells. So it's really a repair shop that goes around your body and fixes things. So if you have the bad version, you don't fix things well. That doesn't mean it equals breast cancer, right? So now we ask, why do women get breast cancer? So there's different reasons, but one of the big ones, most women get it in and around the menopause age, not all, but for the most part. So the menopause age, you no longer have a menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. And for the women listening, some have what's called estrogen dominance, which they just produce a lot more estrogen, right? And, and it's not taken for granted that women are estrogen and men are testosterone. There's a blend, it could, there's a cascade of hormones that we can determine genetically what you actually do. And some women just produce a lot more estrogen. Step one of three. Step two is some women of that heavy pool of estrogen are also estrogen toxic, mm-hmm. meaning that when you have your monthly cycle, you first convert it into a metabolite. And they could be toxic or bad for you, or it could be clean. If you produce the toxic stuff, you then need to look at the clearance. How well do you detoxify and get rid of it? Because Mm -hmm. your body also does that. So if you have the perfect storm of estrogen dominance, estrogen toxicity, and bad clearance, you have a heavy pool of this metabolite that's poison in your blood every month. So then why menopause? Because in menopause, you no longer have a menstrual cycle. So you're not getting rid of that stuff you're anymore. Not shedding it, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So, but even then, it doesn't mean you're getting sick. The difference, again, environment, mm-hmm. nutrition, lifestyle. A woman has this profile, 80% will get it, 20% won't. Why? Because 85% of North American women will go on a birth control pill for an elongated period, mm-hmm. adding more estrogen to that toxicity fire, right? A growing number of women will take a, uh, a hormone replacement therapy as they age. So mm-hmm. adding more estrogen to that fire, how many women are exposed to chemicals and their frying pans and oils mm-hmm. and personal and, care products yeah, that they don't even know about mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. their body treats as a hormone mimic, Mm-mm. adding more estrogen to that fire. So those are the women for whom now we've identified the profile. Here's why it would happen because your estrogen toxic, don't get rid of it. Why does it make you sick? Because when you're, when you have estrogen toxicity, you're, and you're not menopausal, you don't clear it. Your body wants to keep your organs and tissues safe. So it stores the toxicity in fat. Mm-hmm. 
And where do women have fat? Mm-hmm. In the hips and in the breasts. Yes. And what's in the breast that's not designed to that level of toxic storage is all these glands that were designed to deliver milk. It was not designed for to be inflamed by that level of toxicity. So then all of a sudden you go from, hey, you got the BRCA gene, you got 80% chance of breast cancer. What does that even mean? To here's why for some women it happens. Now that's when BRCA should get to work because now mm-hmm. all of a sudden you've caused the damage to cause the inflammation, to cause the tumor for which BRCA should repair it. Now, if you're doing that, if you had the bad BRCA, you're not going to repair the tumor. You're not going to suppress the tumor, right? But let's ask, why did you even get the tumor in the first place? Yes. That's health. And that's the 20%. So, and you name a chronic condition, it can be spoken of in this sort of precise to the, to the point degree. And we can truly understand why these things happen and how to avoid them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you could be susceptible or have that vulnerability for right. that gene variation or whatever, that missing gene, but it's not necessarily going to be expressed. Correct. It's right. the, the challenge is that we are not informed based on our unique genetics, what mm-hmm. the right environment, nutrition, lifestyle choices are. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between I was born healthy and for some reason, when I turned 50, I got sick, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? It's, it takes that long of the wrong choices or the very few of us, the 10 to 15 or 20%, depending on the disease that didn't get it, mm-hmm. what, what were they doing? So that's the difference is that, like you said, those choices, right? That we need to educate people on and more and more yeah. people are definitely waking up <laughs> to yep. this new way of of living sort of you know especially toxic free living so yes. more and more people are realizing that but connecting it to your genetic predisposition is is just a match made in heaven for yep. ultimate health and well-being right that's why yep. so then it becomes personalized and all of a sudden yes. the guesswork is out right you know exactly where to focus mm-hmm. you know exactly what to do mm-hmm. you know what your body is good at and what your body is bad at and then you don't have to guess and wait. And the trial and error that we would practice medicine with, it just becomes very precise. And so how young would you recommend someone do this? How, well, how as early I've done as? it with my kids. Really? You know? how, how old? Yeah. How old are they? Uh, four, six, and 12. Okay. Really? Yeah, that young. A, okay. Yeah. And I have a niece that's um, 14 and mm-hmm. it's helped her a lot. So she had a crazy anxiety issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went to the hospital because she fell over and hurt herself because she literally passed out from her anxiety issue. And I just took it for granted that, you know, doctors, pediatrician who knows her well says it's mm-hmm. an anxiety issue. And I didn't think twice of it because outside of when I leave my office, when it's your family, that feeling of like, oh, fear, call the doctor. Let's fix this. Mm-hmm. Right. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once it happened two or three times, then I slapped myself and I said, what's, I have her genes. Why well, didn't even, I, I didn't even look. So I looked and then I realized that her anxiety attacks were happening like clockwork month to month. Mm-hmm. So I asked my mother who she lives with, my mother and my sister and my niece live together tell me about her menstrual cycle. Like, is it, what, what phase is she in? She said, you know what, now that you mention it, it's right at the beginning mm-hmm. every time. And I, she didn't think about it. So what was happening was at the beginning is when women are their lowest in their hormone levels. My niece uh, has uh, even lower hormones genetically. So she's the opposite of the estrogen dominant woman we were talking about, right? So she has high testosterone, very low hormones. So then her dip is even lower than the average person. But it didn't happen until then. 
why all of a sudden at that point did it happen? Well, it was winter um, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I tried to make sure I got the date right. Yeah, it was winter 2020. And she was being homeschooled because of COVID. So she hadn't been outside in months. She was getting zero vitamin D. Yeah. Right? Vitamin D of the 22,000 genes in your body, which is literally how many you have, 2,000 required vitamin D to function. So 10% of your human biochemistry is dependent on this one micronutrient, which is actually more of a hormone, which I think you know very well, right? Exactly. It acts more as a hormone than it does a vitamin. I think it got rebranded as a vitamin because if enough people took it, nobody (laughs) would be sick, right? (laughs) So, you know, so for her, so step one is she was at her menstrual cycle. Hormones were just completely off. But at this time, her vitamin D was also so bad that it triggered inability to cope with that hormone thing, which expressed itself as an anxiety problem. And why an anxiety problem? Because her dopamine levels or her ability to bind dopamine and feel pleasure is extremely low genetically. Mm -hmm. So there's a gene called DRD2 that determines how well you bind dopamine and experience it. And she, like myself, has the lowest version. So it's hard for her to feel pleasure or reward. So that combination, hormone problem, combined with vitamin D, which prevented her from dealing with the hormone problem because the body was all just out of whack, leading to where was she not doing well in mood and behavior because of her dopamine, led to this anxiety attack, like clockwork at the beginning of every month. Wow. We were told that she had to get onto an anxiety pill, right? So in that third, it was when we got triggered with the prescription, that's what made me act. And I looked into genetics, figured all this stuff out, and since that day, she has not had a problem. Oh, wow. Right? So what do we do? We gave her L-theanine for her dopamine to make her feel what she wasn't feeling. So the, that load was off. Heavy, heavy vitamin D dose. So on the uh, few days before her cycle, she would take 10,000 IU a day. And we would split the dose, uh, mm-hmm. 3,000, 3,000, 3,000, so that she was getting enough. Mm-hmm. Because some people that are more sort of Mediterranean or equatorial, their ancestors like yourself, you know, you, they had too much vitamin D. So even though you have enough in your blood, your body doesn't utilize it well. That's a whole other genetic process. So she's the same. So we had to split the dose. And then uh, we gave her some supplements to manage her hormone levels for a couple months to bring her back on track. And then we took her off because of her age. We didn't want her to be on it that long. So those three things, it's now we're into early 2022. She hasn't had the problem once. So she had it three months in a row and was supposed to get on a pill. Wow. So bringing all of these different pieces together of a puzzle of understanding what the root cause was instead of just putting a slapping a bandaid and giving another pill, another pharmaceutical drug to deal with her anxiety that potentially (laughs) has some other side effects. I could just imagine what that would have caused, you know, this young lady. So identifying the the root cause through the DNA analysis and then giving those uh, personalized recommendations because yes it's true i actually take i used to take a lot of vitamin d and then i would get tested and i'd be like wow why am i so low i don't understand am i not metabolizing and then i did the profile that's exactly what it told me and now i actually stagger them throughout the day right and and i started doing that with my parents because obviously i got the gene from them and exactly (laughs) right (laughs) so i started doing that because i do my parents supplements every week so yes, amazing information. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, and imagine how many young women are out there struggling yes. with the exact same thing, 
you hear about it all the time that anxiety is a huge, huge issue in mm-hmm. sort of younger women. Um, and it gets treated with this label of anxiety because nobody yeah. knows what really, nobody's asking, I should say, what's really happening. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to resolve mm-hmm. if you just deal with it at the root cause or you get stuck on a pill for the next decade. Exactly. I have a friend that works in the pharmacy at Costco and she's like, you know, the parents are coming with prescriptions for anxiety for their kids and the kids just keep getting younger and younger and younger. That's so crazy. You're right. It's it's truly a pandemic for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A quick fix. So tell me a little bit more about the dopamine. So like if you have a low, um, as you mentioned, are like, what do you do? What's the solution yeah. for that? Because so I mentioned earlier that, you know, when you asked me about my story and how we got here, mm-hmm. one of my problems was depression. Mm-hmm. But my depression started when I had some success under my belt entrepreneurially. I did not have a single bout of depression until I was in my early thirties. Mm-hmm. So what happened there? I genetically, so that for, I already told you step one, step one is there's a gene called DRD2, which determines how dense your dopamine receptors are. So your ability to actually bind and experience pleasure or reward. So dopamine does two things. I ate something tasty, pleasure, or I did something good at work, reward, mm-hmm. right? Achievement. I have the least density possible of receptors. Mm-hmm. Then there's a gene called MAO, which is responsible to break that dopamine down because you're supposed to get back to normal at some point. Mm-hmm. Then there's an enzyme called COMPT, which clears the broken metabolites out. It's like the broom that comes and sweeps it away. Okay. It also deals with hormones, by the way. So I have the lowest DRD2, I have the fastest MAO and the fastest COMPT. So I feel it slim to none and it lasts a microsecond. Wow. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So now I have three potential outcomes, depression, because you just don't feel like the people around you addiction, because you feel the pleasure route and you get hooked onto that thing. And you wonder why all of my uncles were alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Right? We couldn't figure out why they just couldn't quit uh, or achievement because you go down the reward route and you feed that as opposed to the addiction. So I kind of got forced into work because my father passed away when I was really young and I had to take care of the family. And so I went down that achievement route. So the, again, the environment, nutrition, lifestyle, the context forced me to work. And so I went down the achievement route. Maybe if I grew up in a wealthy family, I would have become an addict because I wouldn't Mm. have had the need to achieve. Interesting. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I, again, was entrepreneurial from the age of like 18, right through to, like I said, early thirties, I did not stop working for 15 years. (laughs) Right. And when I eventually got to some level of comfort and I had a business partner for the first time and he took on some of the load, I didn't try as hard. And when I wasn't trying, I wasn't getting that sense of reward. And so I started getting depressed because for me, the regular day-to-day is not enough. You know, if I'm not pushing either through a pleasure or reward, I'm just not experiencing the world, the world that the people are around me. Right. So mm-hmm. That's what happened. I got depressed and I realized that I cannot put myself into sort of a, a context where I take it easy, right? I either have to be enjoying something that's functional, like, you know, something like skiing or whatever it may be, or get to work and achieve something. Whatever I did yesterday isn't good enough anymore. I got to keep pushing. There's only one other option is depression. Mm-hmm. And so since I've learned that I have never had a day of depression. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I didn't even want to go to work for a good year and a half. So it's like right. shedding a flashlight on shining a flashlight on you and 
bringing on that self-awareness in terms of what exactly you need and then bringing. Yeah. So, so why would you say people then get depressed because they don't have that support early on or is that, it's, yeah, so or it's, I guess it's, circumstances, like you said, circumstances right? are a big thing. So nutrition if you look at, too, right? Yes. Nutrition, right? So that load. So your mm. genetics are your capacity. Are you, are you a Ferrari or are you an off-road truck, right? What are you designed to do? Okay. And if like you're designed that. to do something, you take a Ferrari off-roading, it will fall apart. Mm-hmm. You take a truck off-roading, it's fine, but it can't race against a Ferrari on a track, Mm-mm. right? So what are you? That's your genetics because we're not all the same at all. We're not, there's not an infinite number of different people, but we're not two different people. We're hundreds of different things. We're good at different things, right? So for, first of all, what are you? Now that you know what you are, what are you doing with that? Are you doing what you're matched to? If you're not, there's going to be a problem. So if you're wired like me in the brain and you're not either pushing uh, for reward or, you know, finding something that's pleasurable yet functional, uh, that's beneficial, there's going to be a problem, Mm -hmm. right? And so I've since resolved depression in my family. My uncle had a similar issue recently in the last three years that I I was, was able to understand you know, and resolve at the root cause as opposed to let's go to the depression doctor and figure out what pills you need. Exactly. Right, which is a typical route because nobody understands how to deal with it. You can't mm-hmm. stop feeling depressed. That doesn't work. You can't mm-hmm. tell people that. They just, they're feeling what they're feeling. So the better thing is to understand what neurochemicals create that feeling mm-hmm. and what are you doing with those neurochemicals? And if you're not doing the right thing, what do you need to shift? What do you need to change? So it's again, that in step one is what is your genetics? Step two, what are then the best environment, nutrition, lifestyle options for you that are matched to what you're designed to do? That brings you to good health. doesn't yes. matter what the problem is. For sure. And I'm even like, my wheels are spinning here. This would be great for somebody who just finished maybe high school or getting in time. They have yeah. to decide what route to take or career exactly. sort of development. Cause I'm sure there's a sort of an entrepreneurial profile sure. as well. Right. In terms of what I'm, do, I'm of doing that right now with my 12 year old son, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a little early, but he is unique where he were very different. Me and him. Okay. Right. My other two kids were similar and me and him are very different. And he's, so he's more like your wife. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. he's different. Right. So compared to me, she, yeah. they're very there. So they, we have sort of these two factions in the house. Right. <laughs> and so, I was challenged in how to work with him to get him to his goals because mm-hmm. I think the way I think, which is not mm-hmm. the way he thinks. So he has a much higher expression of dopamine binding because of his mom. Right. And his comp is a lot slower than mine. Okay. So what happens there is the way I experience reward and pleasure, this sort of burning desire in my gut to just get things done. I can't rest. I, every detail matters to me. They all bother me. I just, it has to happen. Right. For him, it's kind of like he didn't even need to do it. And he's already satisfied. Mm-hmm. So he could sit there, talk about it. He'd be, yep, yep, sounds good. I got to do it. And then go back on his laptop to talk to his friends. Mm. But when he finds a thing that truly gives him a sense of reward or pleasure, he can binge on it and get lost on it and do a better job than anybody. Right. So give him the thing that he actually finds. Because for him, it's so hard to feel that. For me, it's hard to feel pleasure in general. So I just constantly chase it. Yes. Unless I now control that because I understand it. For him, he's just constantly feeling pleasure. But the thing that gets him 
over that tipping point, he'll get lost in it. He'll binge on it. So it's the opposite of addiction. Addiction is you need to do it on time every day and you kind of schedule a day around it. Binging is you don't have to do it, but when you do it, you're lost. Mm-hmm. Right? You're in that flow so, state that people talk Yes, about. you're mm-hmm. stuck in that state and it's hard mm-hmm. to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've learned is that he needs a context where he has to enjoy his work. I need a context where I need to be, I need to fire under my butt. I need to be pursuing something. And not feeling uh, like things are easy. He needs to be feeling pleasure from what he's being asked to do. And then he will do it so well uh, compared to anybody else. But if he's not, he won't even start and he'll think he did it. Mm-hmm. Right? Because he just got the sensor award from everything going on. He's just satisfied with everything. So complete opposite thinking. Now imagine understanding this about how you think at that age where it's so important to excel Right? Yeah. It's so competitive more than ever before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then career planning, like what are you actually wired to do? Because we're just talking about one neurochemical. There's many. There's there. How do you deal with trauma, PTSD? How do you deal with anxiety, fear? Uh, how do you deal with details and um, sort of uh, mood balancing in the moment? There's all these different chemicals that do different things. And if you understand all of them, you literally, without ever talking to a person, if you had their DNA, you know exactly how they function. So if you know that for a child who hasn't discovered themselves yet, who doesn't truly understand themselves yet, imagine knowing their mental map. Mm-hmm. You can guide them right in the right guide direction, them, yeah. facilitate that yeah. development in the right exactly. direction. Mm-hmm. And they'll feel so much happier with it because it'll be natural for them. As exactly. opposed to the resistance and friction of, Hey, you're supposed to be a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. So, or an and accountant imagine- and you hate that yeah. <laughs> profession yeah. or something. Yeah. So just imagine the friction of doing what you're not wired to do. It's it's just like health. If you go against environmental toxins that you are designed for, you're going to get sick. Same thing with your brain. Yeah. So it's it's very empowering for kids. Amazing. Really cool. I have never thought of doing it for such a young age. Yeah. We've uh, shed some light on that for sure yeah. for our listeners as well. And then obviously we can talk a little bit more on what the process is, but I want to dive a little bit more deeper into the genetics piece. And it sounds as if some of the profiles are, or the combinations of genes and enzymes and everything else that's involved, you could put you at a disadvantage or no, or like you don't see it that way, or you don't coach people that way, but like, yeah, how, how, I do, think- how, does, how does that work? Cause you're dealt this like genetic, these genetic cards. Yeah. So what exactly. do you do, right? Mm-hmm. I think um, with everything, so there's certain things like, for example, cardiovascular disease. If you have bad quality endothelial, that inner lining of the artery, which is where I actually most do. Have, yeah, right? actually yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's not good news. That just mm-hmm. means you have to be more careful and it doesn't mean you're sick. You weren't born sick. It just means that you have to spend a lot more time focusing on preventing that, which you very easily can if you know what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm neurochemicals, the brain, I don't see it as bad or good. I see it more as for every problem, there's also, there's always a benefit. So for example, for me, I could be depressed or I could be an entrepreneurial achiever. I'm wired for both. Mm -hmm. It depends what context I wrap around it. I could, if your serotonin is dysregulated Mm -hmm. and you don't deal with mood and you sort of mood in the moment that well, well, you could either be highly irritable and bothered by people and annoyed and not able to work with people because everything bothers you, or you could be highly attention uh, focused on detail and detail oriented. And the person that catches everything, because what it does is you're just stimulated by things that other people aren't. You're much more sensitive to stimuli. 
And so it could express in different ways. Different ways is how you choose to use it. It's a tool. So the tool is either I get irritated by everything, everyone bugs me. Or the tool is I see every irritating, irritating uh, stimuli and consider that in my decision-making. Okay. And this is true. So everything about the brain works like that. There's a good and bad. It depends how you use it. The more disease-centric stuff, I, I would say it's, it, yes, you have, a, you have to understand what your disadvantages are and then supplement the right way and remove the stuff that would cause you a problem for your yeah. life. So the, the advantage is you can extend your life by 10, 15 years because you now can make the right choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And live those years very healthy. Because exactly. who wants to live to 100 and you can't, you know, function yep. properly or have to be dependent, right? Yep. So that's that's the key as well. So tell us a little bit more about like in terms of unraveling this genetic profile so that for better sleep and exercise, yes. right? Because you go into that level of detail in sure. the profile. It's amazing. Yes. So, and this is where another, to answer your very first question about you know, 23Me versus what we call functional genomics. Mm-hmm. Um, single genes don't have single meanings. Okay. You have to interpret what a gene does. So first of all, what is a gene? We didn't even talk about that. A gene, <laughs> a gene is an instruction. It, you literally have an instruction manual in your body that tells all of your cells what to do. In those instructions, some of us have spelling mistakes, some of us have paragraphs missing. Some of us have pages missing. So now imagine your instruction manual. Not, nobody has a perfect instruction manual. No, no human does. So you just need to figure out where the spelling mistakes are so you know what the problems are. So when you have a spelling mistake in a gene, it doesn't do its function properly. For example, serotonin, which means that you don't bind serotonin properly. Now, to interpret that, what does that mean for the human? It doesn't mean one thing, which is where scientists and genetic companies have been getting things wrong. Serotonin is a brain chemical. So we're only, only going to talk about it in the context of the brain. That's the problem with genetics is yeah. that brain, it's just like medicine, brain, heart. You know, if you're at a cardiologist, you're not allowed to talk about your liver. Yeah, You can't. Mm-hmm. You have to be sent to the liver guy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's the way they build genetics is this is a brain gene. It doesn't do anything with the brain. Meanwhile, your serotonin can have a huge impact on your sleep. But nobody talks about it that way because it's a brain gene. It's not a sleep gene. And now they're looking for the magic sleep gene, which doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. The needle in the haystack, right? So what does it do? Serotonin, like I was saying, makes you more sensitive to stimuli. So most people that have bad sleep, it's not that they can't fall asleep. There are some people that can't fall asleep, but most of them can fall asleep. They can't stay asleep. So they wake up three, four hours into it, and then they're struggling for the rest of the night and and the morning. This is the most common form of poor sleep that we find anyway. So what's going on there is melatonin, which we know is the chemical that puts us to sleep. So people take melatonin supplements and it helps them fall asleep. Serotonin is the chemical that wakes you up. So if you don't have a good relationship with serotonin, well, the first three hours that you sleep, your body knows it's sleep time. So there's n- nobody seems to have a challenge with those first three hours. Everybody wakes up after three hours. Some people realize they wake up. Some people have no clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends how good your sleep quality is. For people that have serotonin problems, like myself, by the way, when you wake up after the three hours, you're awake. You, like, you get up, you go to the washroom, you're, you notice things, and then you try and get back to sleep. The challenge is you're starting, if there's any stimulus whatsoever, light, 
sound, temperature is not right, hubby pulls on the blanket and bothers you, whatever stimuli happens, that starts to drive serotonin production because your body thinks, oh, time to wake up. Mm-hmm. Right? Because light is meant to trigger serotonin production. Of course. Yeah. Your circadian so, rhythm. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So now if you don't deal with the serotonin that well, any stimulus will cause it to start. So now all of a sudden you can't sleep as well because your body thinks you're done. Mm-hmm. So that same chemical that geneticists and scientists and doctors say is a brain chemical <laughs> You can interpret and what does it actually do? Like in practical terms, what are the problems you can fix for me with it? Yes, I, it's starting from the brain. It's a wake up chemical, a neurochemical. But what problem is it going to cause me? That's what people want to know. Mm-mm. I don't need to know that I have this version of serotonin. Good luck. Like, what does that do for me? I need to know how does that apply in my sleep, in my mood, in my eating, because it causes me to lean on food as a coping mechanism on bad days, mm-hmm. right? On my work. Because I pay greater attention to detail and maybe I overthink things, mm-hmm. right? My anxiety, because when I'm thinking about the thoughts in my head and I keep replaying them over and over, I'm thinking them at a way higher level of detail than the people around me. So they mean more to me. So these are the contexts that mean things to people. And that's when we speak about genetics, we speak about them in these contexts because that's what matters to people. It's functional. You know, yeah. yeah, it's functional. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then what would you do to with for this person? So the the this person that you're describing, just a little bit uh, of some background information, what's their serotonin? Their the receptor is missing or what is it? It's not yeah, the receptor is uh, slightly shortened. Shortened, okay. Right? So it just doesn't do such a good job. So now uh-huh. all of a sudden your body's going crazy, deploying more, it's okay. not binding, it creates yeah. it wreaks this havoc. So well, what did I do? I have that problem. Uh-huh. Right? Uh, so I did a couple of things. First of all, I got a mattress cooler, which is something that most people haven't heard of, <laughs> uh, but it's a great company called Chili Sleep that literally makes this lining that you put on your mattress. It kind of looks like a pee pad for babies, <laughs> right? And it cools you down as you sleep so that, because this is one of the major reasons why people wake up is when you're under your blanket, it's great when you first get in your bed, but a couple hours of that and it's the temperature is too hot. Uh-huh. Right. Cause you're now, you're not letting the heat out and now there's maybe two people in the bed, you know, it, it's not the right temperature after a while. Wow. So this mattress cooler maintains this optimal temperature, which for a lot of people doesn't matter, but if you're serotonin off is it matters a lot because that stimulus will wake you up. Yes. A little trigger. Right? Mm-hmm. The other thing I do is a uh, complete blackout, zero yeah. light leakage whatsoever. Do not mm-hmm. try and be your hero and say, ah, sunlight doesn't bother me. Even if you're not awake, you're not getting the same quality of sleep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's that light is meant to trigger serotonin production and waking you up. So there should be zero light. Uh, wear a mask if you have to. There's a company called Viva Ray that makes some people, again, because they're serotonin dysregulated, are more sensitive to the thing pressing on their eye and they can't wear the mask. So there's a company called Viva Ray that makes one that has like a donut on it. Yes. <laughs> but it doesn't actually compress your eye. Yeah. Right? So those mm-hmm. are interesting. Uh, then I just some- interviewed Rudy actually last time. Uh, oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's oh, on the cool. podcast as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, and then there's, you know, dealing with the actual serotonin. There's supplements you can get to help you deal with serotonin properly. It's very common stuff. H- 5-HTT LPR is the gene. Okay. And I think the supplements are called 5-HTT. So easy stuff to get. It's available everywhere. So is that the same uh, as 5-HTP? Five HTP, yeah. Yeah, exactly. okay. So it's yeah. the precursor yeah. to serotonin. Yes, uh-huh. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, um, I would say the other thing that you may not consider 
are things like smell and environmental response. So if there are chemicals, gas, mm. whatever going on, you may want to figure out how to block it from entering your bedroom, like maybe the vents or maybe whatever it is, you know, um, in, it could be your pillow, you know, it could be your mm. mattress. If there's, if you're using a memory foam mattress, for example, that is every little bubble is full of toxic gas when it's manufactured. And as you roll around, you keep popping them and breathing them in. Wow. So that, that little bit of irritability can disrupt your sleep as well. Cause your body all of a sudden is triggered into dealing with that as opposed to resting. That's so right. you got to consider anything that can cause stimulus and get rid of it. Amazing. Wow. So simple. Some of these things, right. Yeah. Just consider if you know the cause, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. just makes me wonder in the hospitals, they always have that overhead light. It's horrible. The entire night. How are these people supposed to heal? It is horrible. Wow. It is the exact opposite of what they need. Mm -hmm. Even wow. if they are sleeping, they're not getting deep, high quality sleep. The body just is not designed to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah, right? You, you need dark. Mm. And how about for exercise? I found that a little, uh, interesting too in my profile. Yeah. How so some people like yourself, like you're one of the few people that we would say that cardiovascular exercise will actually give you cardiovascular disease mm -hmm. and people tell a doctor that they'll say well, you're crazy this is mm -hmm. snake oil right <laughs> so what's going on in the actual biochemistry why do we say that so yeah. there's a couple things going on so we already know that you have the not so good hardware right of the mm -hmm. endothelial that inner lining of the artery so most heart disease doesn't happen in the heart it usually happens in the arteries around the heart correct cholesterol calcification blockages you know it happens in the arteries um, so you have the not so good quality arteries. If you do cardiovascular activity, you're getting into what's called oxidative stress, mm -hmm. meaning that you're taking in more oxygen than you normally would at a resting pace. Um, and your cells then create what's called oxidant. So your cells take in nutrition and oxygen to create energy. And in that process, create oxidants, which are toxic. You're supposed to be able to deal with that. There's a gene called SOD2 that yeah. it helps you get rid of that. Mm -hmm. Some people don't do that so well. Now, all of a sudden, their cell, it's kind of like you have a, a fireplace with no chimney. The smoke mm. is just piling up. Yeah. Right. And if the smoke is piling up on your cell, that leads to rapid aging, you know, hairs going white a little earlier, skin sagging, and mm. free radical activity in the blood causing inflammation where you're not strong. In your case, it's your endothelial. Right. So now all of a sudden you have this cellular structure that was not designed to deal with toxicity and you had the bad quality version of it. And because of the cardiovascular activity, sorry, you're pumping uh, free radicals into your blood that you can't get rid of. So you're going to lead, be led down the path of inflammation. Yeah. And the body's response to inflammation there at the endothelial is to actually deploy cholesterol as a hormone to reduce the inflammation. Amazing. And I always have a higher elevated cholesterol levels. And it's like, how? I don't, you know, yeah, I take it doesn't make any health. sense, right? Yeah. 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 It, that's actually your body helping you reduce mm -hmm. the inflammation there. Yeah. Because it acts as Vaseline to the. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The challenge is that when cholesterol, that should be okay normally. Mm -hmm. the cholesterol goes and it comes back. There's that LDL, HDL process, right? But for some people, if you're toxic in the blood, when cholesterol meets toxicity, it gets hardened and it deposits and it can't move. Mm -hmm. That's why 30% of Americans that died last year died of cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. 
50% of North Americans are expected to have a cardiovascular disease. It's not because we have bad hearts. We're born healthy. It's because of all the loads that we're forced to experience are not matching the way we were designed. Mm-hmm. And one of the areas where you're most prone to inflammation in most people is that endothelial lining. And then the hormone will protect you, the cholesterol, and then we only treat the cholesterol. Yeah. We don't treat the actual root cause. And so when we're treating the cholesterol, we're actually suppressing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah, you're, you're, it's, the counter, it's totally counterintuitive, but it's true that if the cholesterol gets too aggressive, then you can get a blockage, which will lead to the heart attack. But we're only ever talking about the tip of the iceberg, the final stage of the disease, Yeah. as opposed to the 15 years it took you to cause yourself the disease, and you can completely reverse it and unravel it. So it's interesting, going back to me, <laughs> is that um, I actually don't dislike running. And right. the only real cardiovascular is spin class. Is that too much for me? So I'm, I'm similar to you, by the way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I do is I also hate cardio. I, I weight train and, regularly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, and, it's, it's, and I do yoga. It, yeah. So yoga is amazing, by the way, mm-hmm. for your type, right? Um, because you're getting the benefit without the high intensity. What you're trying to avoid is you can't breathe, that heavy breathing. Okay. So you're trying to keep it at like a 75%. So okay. what I do, because you don't, you do still want some cardio benefit for fat burn and heart health, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the pumping your heart. So what I do is I'll go on a bike uh, and I'll be done in 10 minutes. So, but in that 10 minutes, I'll get more benefit than the people in the gym next to me that spent 40 minutes. Mm. And what I do is I get on the bike and the first 20 seconds, I push it as hard as I can possibly go, like a hard, hard sprint, right? Then I coast for three minutes. Then I do that again. And I do that three times, mm-hmm. which takes me to 10 minutes. Why? Because you get yourself to that super high intensity heart rate and it takes you three minutes to come back down. Then you do it again. And it takes you three minutes because you're getting the benefit of that hard sprint okay, that for pump. two and a half minutes while only putting in 20 seconds of effort. Okay. Right. So and you're not sustaining that. Yes, exactly. You're not sustaining that. And by the time you're done, mm. you are not breathing heavy. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah, you're thirsty and you're covered in sweat. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll sweat more in 10 minutes than the people next to you did in 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. But you're not breathing heavy because you're taking the three minutes to bring your breath down. Mm-mm-mm. And then you hit it again, and then you come down, and then you hit it again, and you come down. So it's a way of, it's kind of a hack of getting that intensity, car, the heart being pushed, the fat being burned uh, without the car- oxidative stress. And then that will last you through the day because you're kind of pushing yourself into that mode of fat burning. So um, it's just a hack for people that are like us that yeah. shouldn't be doing it. Right. Yeah, yeah, but it's crazy how your body innately just knows, right? Like, oh, yeah, you know, you feel it. I tried, yeah, I tried so much. Oh, I should be a runner. I should be running, and it's like I don't enjoy it at all. I just enjoy the spin class. But yeah, Yeah. definitely listening to your body. Your body knows it's innate. Body knows, yeah. Intelligence, yeah, very cool. Um, And so this is a sort of hacks that the the coaching, right? So so tell us a little bit about the process. So I um, actually had to. Um, give a saliva sample and then what happens in the background tell us a little bit so the kit it takes about four weeks so the kit Mm -hmm. comes to us we extract your dna from the saliva Mm -hmm. we then sequence it to scan it and then we have a very specific set of genes that we look at that we've curated so you know most tests will look at hundreds if not thousands of genes we bring it down to about 80 that actually matter that are Mm -hmm. actionable 
That's mm-hmm. not like, is your ear connected to your head or not? Well, like, I already know that, right? Yeah. It's more like your hormones, your detoxes, like things that matter. Mm. Uh, we then built an artificial intelligence platform that thinks the way we think. So our biggest challenge was that this interpretation we do, like when I talk about serotonin and sleep, that's not a genetic result. That's us interpreting the data. Uh-huh. Your genes don't tell you how you sleep. We have to figure out how to read your genes to tell you how you sleep, Right. So that's our own internal thinking. So we build an artificial intelligence platform that now populates reports to allow people to get all the insights we've been talking about by just reading documents as opposed to sitting with some scientists and analyzing your data, which is expensive. So that process, uh, you sort of log into your dashboard and you get all these reports and they're in sleep, cardiovascular, uh, personalized diet, nutrition, personalized fitness and hormones, cellular health and immunity and detox and mood and behavior, the brain, which is the mm-hmm. biggest report. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden you can read this self and understand, you can read it all yourself and understand. But for people that have a specific pain point that they're trying to resolve, like I need to lose 10 pounds or my mom had breast cancer and I don't want it. For those people, we typically recommend coaching. And the reason is that it's one thing to be told, here's what's going on. It's all a whole other thing to do something about it. And we know as humans, we're not likely to comply and make changes. Behavior change isn't easy. And we're not talking about taking a magic pill to solve any of these problems. We're truly saying you have to change a behavior and a behavior that may be hardwired at this point. Yeah. It's a habit. It's a habit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And habit reversal we find takes nine weeks. That's the magic number. Okay. And so our coaches are trained on how to do that for these various problems. So at that point, it's kind of like passing the baton. We baton. We already figured out what's going on genetically. We already recommended what you need to do. Now we're going to make sure you actually do it. So our coaches will build a nine-week plan and they'll work with you to make sure that the habit formation is there. And it's not as easy as you think because it's how do I do it at home? How do I do it at work? I have to go to Christmas parties. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to consider all these things that you wouldn't. This, these are where your habits break. Mm-mm-mm. True. Right. So that's what we do. Okay. And so I would saw a weekly meeting that happens with the coaching. Yeah, it's. It's, I think there's a bi-weekly meeting and then there's okay. constant text and email. And then there's a ton of sort of video and audio content Okay. because we've built the plan in a way where we kind of know what people need to hear as they go along mm-hmm. in terms of this is what you need to learn this week. Here's what you need to look for in your data this week. Uh, a simple example. Uh, so one of the weeks we might tell you, let's try and find what we call uh, a scaling habit meaning that you, we've identified that in order for you to sleep properly, you need to turn your laptop off one hour before going to sleep. Mm-hmm. That may be a new habit we to teach you, right? Now, how do you scale that habit? Well, maybe now we're going to bring that habit into your spouse and your kids where they also do it. Oh, okay. So there's yes. less pressure on you, mm-hmm. right? So, and that simple thing sounds simple, but people don't do it, mm-hmm. right? So that one thing of how do you scale a habit the coaches are really good at helping with that mm-hmm. and now it, be, it allows you to make these things permanent so you're living a different version of yourself yes and just nine weeks that's not a nine weeks time. yeah that's what it typically takes for behavior wow. change that's amazing if yes. you if you do it properly yeah if you do right? the work yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. you gotta do the yeah. work eventually right yeah but if they're paying for it so hopefully they're committed right so that's yeah, for big- sure Oh, wow. Amazing. Super exciting stuff for sure. So tell us a little bit about um, what is the best advice that you've ever been given? Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's a little bit about you now. (laughs) Sure. 
I, you know, one of our clients um, was the ex-chief digital officer for a company called Rogers, which in Canada is a huge, you know, one of the biggest companies in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went to him with our reports and asked him for advice. I said, you, you've done this before. Like what? He said, number one thing I can tell you is you got to make it easy to use. Uh-huh. He said, I don't care what you do, what business you're in, whatever you do. If it's not easy, people won't do it. And the thing that's so great, they're going to blame the thing, mm. right? You could have the best science, the best, whatever. Uh, and I take that to heart in everything that we do, whether it's making it easy for a clinician to work with us, whether it's easy to order something, whether it's easy to, you know, call us and we have to hire the right number of people, making it easy has become a sort of key factor in how we do everything in this business, including the way the reports are designed. That's why the reports don't speak to the genes because that's not easy. Yeah. What's easy is I want to look up headache and I want to see what's wrong. I want to look up keto diet, right? That's what people think. They don't think about the FTO gene and how that relates to fat metabolization. So how do you make it easy? You got to put it in the context that people are already in. Mm-hmm. But that's been a huge thing for us. It's it literally shifted the way we work. Amazing. And it's true. Your process, I went through it. It is pretty easy. The report's nice and colorful, nice yeah. and easy. Actually, we didn't talk about diet and nutrition, but it is pretty interesting how I found out the hard way that I shouldn't be eating gluten, you know, being yeah. Italian and all. And my parents <laughs> had a bakery in Italy, so I was having all kinds of pizza and uh, yeah. and bread. But yeah, my genetic profile said uh, that I, I the gluten gene is just not working yeah. properly. And so. here's the thing. If you look at the bread that was in the bakery in Italy, it's probably not the same bread that's here. True. That's the other bread, right? True, true. So yeah. we, the bread that we eat, and we get this question so much from different people, like, why do you tell me not to eat bread and gluten? People have been eating it for centuries. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true that people have been eating bread for farming. Modern agriculture started 10,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Our DNA is 250,000 years old. Mm. So it's a, that 10,000 is a blip in time versus what our DNA and how old our DNA is. And so it's only in the last like hundred years that bread has what it looked like for the past 9,900 years. It was, it's hard, heavy stuff. It was full yeah. of protein and it was made out of five. four or five really uh, sort of ancient grains. That's yeah. all that was used. Now there's over 10,000 wow. different grains. We mm-hmm. went from five to 10,000, right? And we went towards all the grains that were not for the right reason. It was not about which one is the healthiest. It's about which one doesn't go bad in the winter. Which one do mm. rats not want to eat? You know, <laughs> which one does not break down when we pray, when we spray pesticides on it? Mm. That's what the decisions were. Mm. The second big decision was the luxury of white fluffy bread. <laughs> Once people realized that bread didn't have to be a hard, heavy thing, and it, the fluffier was like the luxury version, Mm-mm. everybody wants the luxury version. Mm-hmm. And so all bread was then designed to become the heavy glutinous, you know, problem. So then when people say, well, why is everyone having a problem with gluten and bread when, it, when everybody used to eat it? Nobody used to eat it the way it is now. Correct. What it is now, it didn't look, even if you go to Italy versus Canada, yeah. it's not the same bread. For sure. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So you could also this type of thing with, uh, with diets too. Like if somebody wants to go on a keto diet. For sure. You can let them know if it's the right diet for them. Or yeah. Not. The way you yeah. metabolize fats is all in your genes. So you can know upfront what's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So you don't have to waste time and money and get all yes. 
flustered. Why is it working for me if it's working for everybody else? That's amazing. Amazing information, real gold. Um, But let's go back to you now. What is the most influential book you read? I'm actually making a collection from all of my guests and then I'll release a nice little recommended reads. Which one would you say? Wow. I know that's another tough one because there's so many. <laughs> well, when you say influential, you said influential, right? Influential, yeah. In hey, life, there was a major, mm-hmm. a major turning point for me was when I was young, my father always used to complain that I was like quiet, shy, wasn't ready to take on the world. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> again, context is what drives things, right? What I was wired for versus <sighs> the comfort of my sort of loving mother and good family, uncles and everything. I didn't need to be out there doing anything. So what happened was uh, another uncle of mine who he was like the cool uncle that would show up with the fancy cars and be partying all the time. Uh, <laughs> he gave me a book called How to Sell Anything to Every- Anybody. And it's kind of shallow. That's not the most meaningful book, but it was the most influential to me because it taught me that the same person who I am can have a completely different effect or skill set if I just did things differently. And that was literally the book that changed me from a quiet, kind of silent kid that was very shy and polite that I wouldn't even raise my voice and people couldn't hear what I was saying. Literally that shy. Mm-hmm. Not, not even shy. It was more about being polite than it was about being shy. Mm-hmm. to like I could sell anything to anybody at that time that's what I was practicing it mm-hmm. right and I realized what we're actually capable of if we were unlocking this stuff and that turned into not how do I sell things to people but how do I build things how do I push myself how do I push boundaries and so it was a super influential book because it, it made me sort of open up yeah amazing right? thank yeah. you for sharing that yeah <laughs> I, I can't picture little Kashif uh, <laughs> <laughs> quiet and uh, shy, but I guess. <laughs> so um, last question, what are your top three non-negotiable self-care habits that you do on a daily basis or you try to do oh. on a daily basis? Self-care. So Self-care, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the past, I guess, three years, I have been religious about the gym. Mm -hmm. right and specifically going to the gym because i know it's not the same if i do it at home or you know i schedule it i do it it's it's usually six times a week Mm -hmm. you know and um even if i don't need it if i'm fully trained i'll still go right it it and i'll do something light whatever i'll just you know focus on abs or something whatever but that's been a big thing which is we all know, you know, there's so many benefits to pushing yourself, the stress caused by exercise, even just the mitochondria and what it does for anti-aging. And, you know, I, I don't get sick anymore. Right? I don't even catch a common cold anymore. So any, that's one. Second is sleep routine. Mm. So I'm very diligent about getting the proper, the mattress coolers on, the, the blankets are proper. I'm wearing my amber glasses for an hour before sleeping, getting the melatonin all charged up. Um, I'm making sure I'm not sitting on a laptop. So that whole sleep routine is again, a religious thing for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Nice. Yeah. And then the third thing actually is religious. I don't miss my praying. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm a practicing Muslim. We're supposed to pray five times a day and I don't miss it. So if I'm in a meeting, a call, there's 
too bad. Like today there was two back-to-back podcast recordings. I found two minutes in between mm-hmm. to make sure I did it on time. Right. Oh, wow. So, uh, cause that reset, it does a few things. It it's ground grounds you, like it makes you humble. First of all, right. It, it makes you sort of remember that there's something more powerful than you. Uh, second, there's the actual benefit here and now, which is getting your mind straight, getting your breath straight, you know, aligning yourself, even electro electrically, we're electric beings and just getting that all reset, right. Connecting yourself again. Um, so those are three big things that are kind of foundation for like, you know, there's like a sleep at night, work out during the day, pray in between everything else. And then mm-hmm. everything else is just whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Fits yeah. In. yeah. You'll be able to handle it, be resilient to whatever yeah. opportunity or challenge comes your way. Sounds like a really yeah, good routine. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. For sure. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So what, um, what else are you working on? What exciting projects do you want to perhaps tell us about? Yeah. So I, you know, what we're doing at the DNA company, all people see is what's on the website is you can buy a DNA test and you can learn about yourself. But the truth is we've understood that our healthcare model is so broken when it comes to chronic disease. And we Mm -hmm. kind of have answers in terms of how do you fix each condition? Mm -hmm. So we're working on building a healthcare model that takes our insights and applies it into the conventional care world. Because we don't think you can disrupt healthcare, the, you know, pharma interests and Mm -hmm. the regulatory, it's, it's not like, you know, uh, technology where you can just build something and sell it. It's very hard to get involved. You know, Mm. it's purposely designed that way. Um, so you have to intertwine yourself. Um, so we are, we believe we're going to be that force of change that drives things from reacting to preventing. So, and there's some stuff we're working on in the sort of secret lab in the background, (laughs) which is when you go to the doctor, in say five years from now, it's not because you're sick and you need a pill. It's because you were alerted by some kind of wearable or some other metric that there's something coming that we need to start working on Wow! and prevent. And it sounds like a pipe team, but we're already working on it. Oh no, it sounds amazing. Yeah, you guys yeah. can do it. Yes. Ooh, yeah. that's very exciting. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. <laughs> very cool. <laughs> so happy to be part of it for sure. Yeah, so that's so sure. cool. So where can people find you or um yeah, the DNA company if they want so to do yeah, the the DNA company.com. Straightforward, the DNA company.com. Uh the test we've been talking about today is called the 360 report. Mm-hmm. It's the main flagship product you'll see there. Um there's a great blog section on the website. Uh, it's called the infinite discovery blog. It's just, there's so much great stuff there about kind of the anecdotes you've been talking about today. There's a lot more of them. There's also, um, if you go to Instagram cash con official, so K A S H couldn't get my full name con K H A N official. We try and put out content that is again, anecdotal like this, that is helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we launched a podcast because our customers kept asking us, we need more in-depth knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it's called the unpilled podcast. Uh, so you're welcome to go check that out. It's just taking again, some of these things we've been talking about, but diving deeper into each one of them. Yes. Yeah. So people could understand them. 
I've listened to a few and I love those little videos that you send as well. So very oh, nice. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying. People want to learn. That's a key thing. And exactly. We, we just, yeah. We keep trying to document it, put it out there and teach. So Yeah. And it's amazing that people want that. There's that, you yeah. know, thirst for that knowledge and application sure. of the knowledge too. So yeah. Thank you so much. Um, this was so insightful. I'd love to talk more, but we did even pass <laughs> the hour, which we didn't even dive deep into a lot of the things, but I think um, our listeners got a pretty good idea of the capability and the powerful insights that you can get from really putting the pieces together, especially if you're suffering with a chronic illness and you have no idea how to how to reverse it how to cure it how to even treat it so this is definitely an option and also for preventative purposes too if you just want to live and thrive as you age and not have to go through any um, illnesses yourself so yes please do check out the website thank you thank you thank you this is super insightful um you know i can't get enough of you super knowledgeable i love your energy so thank you for it was a pleasure it was awesome to be here (laughs) take care and we'll see you soon thank Thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking part of your day and sharing it with me by listening to this amazing podcast episode I would also like to thank our sponsors St. Lucian CMOS check them out and get some awesome CMOS at www.stlucianCMOS.co if you enjoyed this podcast and it was helpful please share it with your loved ones or a friend and check out SavoyaSelfCare.com for more amazing wellness tips Please also leave us a rating now on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot and send it to info at SavoyaSelfCare.com. We will reply with a gift as a grateful thank you. If you want to upgrade your healthy living and take it to the next level, be sure to join us next week. And remember, self-care is not selfish, it's self-love. Ciao for now.